that's why I said in the beginning, this has affected my life. Um, but my, what has affected my life is the fact that I was married to David and that now I, all these years later, I realized David probably had something to do with her absence. But that Detective Munden was on him so much and David kept coming out. He took two different times, he said, he took a lie detector test. One time I went to the police station with him, but there was another time before that, that Detective Munden came and got him and took him to have a lie detector test. And I wasn't there, but it always, I was always um, grateful that they didn't, um, they weren't interrogating me, but, and I wouldn't have done them any good because I'm sitting there saying my husband wouldn't do that. There's no way. I never would have believed it in a million years. And But when he asked you to provide an alibi for him, when he said, if they come and ask you questions, uh, tell him I was here, what did you think at that point? Well, um, because I guess I saw him in and out. He was in and out that night and that day. He wasn't gone for any hours and hours that he could have done this. Well, what about in the middle of the night when you they were sleeping? Asked, did he leave the house at all? Um, and I don't remember. I, I would love to know if they did ask me questions, but well, I'll, um, I'll let you had know. Had they what we asked find. me, I would have said yes. I would have said yes. He left, but he came back, and he was never gone long enough to perform any kind of. You know, he'd be gone for three or four hours at a time, but he'd be back and. You would think if somebody had done all that, they would be acting in some way abnormal. And he was just his normal self. And he sold a lot of weed. So a lot of times, he I'm talking pounds of it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, he would be wheeling and dealing this weed. And that's just what I assumed he was doing. And, and uh, the time frame that it would have occurred would have been in the middle of the night. You would have been probably even asleep. Um, I would have been asleep. Yeah. And I know when I went to bed that night, they were there. Do you remember what time you went to bed? Oh, no, I don't. That's I all right. Don't. It's a long time. I just was it's curious. the middle of the night. Yeah. The wee hours. Yeah. And um, the... Uh, when the detectives started coming around and asking him, right in front of me, you know, where were you, what were you doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, he told him, and he was honest, I guess, with that Detective Munden at one point. He, he told him, I heard him tell him, you know, I sell pot. And Munden said, I'm not here for that. Right, yeah. That's in the notes, you know? too. They didn't care. They wanted to know what happened. And um, did he seem scared to you? Did he seem like a guilty person, the way he was acting when they kept coming back? Did he seem nervous that they kept after him? No, but looking back, I find it odd that he was, like, proud of himself, what you know? What do you mean? Just that he felt, like, I felt like um, when they'd leave, and they didn't take him with them, I guess, he was, like, relieved, or he was proud of himself. He had, like, pride that, you know... They asked me all these questions. I gave them what they wanted to know. I told them the truth. And, you know, Munden came back lots of times. Munden was at our house, I would guess, five or six times. And then I couldn't believe when I got to Georgia, 
Munden was not hot on my trails, and David hadn't even gotten there yet. So I'm sure they wanted to question me before David got there, but right. they came back after David had gotten there, because apparently they probably knew he was there. He hadn't found me yet, but they knew where he was at, I'm guessing. No, that I think they were tracking him all, all of 82 and some of 83. They tracked him to Florida, too, when he was working for his father painting. I mean, they were following him for a good two years, and that's why I don't understand... It seems as though they had an idea that it's a possibility that the guys did it, but they could never put them at the house. They didn't have a, they could could not positively say. Um, so let me ask you a couple of follow-up questions and then tell you a couple of things. Um, do you know if Laura was selling any drugs by any chance? No, I didn't. And I didn't know Laura real well, like her personal business or anything okay. like that. Okay. Um, I didn't even know that her and Bryce were divorced. I thought they were a couple. So I see. You know, yeah. I didn't even know that they were divorced. Um, but anyway, um, Laura was kind of um, secretive. Like, I just thought she was, I was quiet. I was a quiet um, person, and I just assumed she was quiet, naive, like I am, like I was. You know, I, I didn't know. Um, yeah. But I didn't think that Laura was, I wouldn't have thought Laura was selling any drugs. Well, they did, they found a bag of pills in her purse. There was other testimony from people that um, she had been selling, low level, very low level. You know, she wasn't working, but there were um, small deposits going into her checking account. You know, $40 here, $50 here. And um, Well, let me ask you this, was that stuff um, speed? Yes. Okay, well, David would order this they called it mail order they, they got this stuff there's nothing but caffeine mm -hmm. um and he would he big jugs of this would be delivered and i my guess is she had some of those that, that's now, what i was thinking she was selling them or not i have no idea yeah, that's what I think. Bobby Frost told me the same thing that he would order that stuff, and um, so well, they it, sit around the kitchen table and shoot it up. Oh God, jeez, that's uh, just I, I can't imagine. <laughs> I heard that story too. I, I just I can't I can't imagine. Um, so, what was her and David's relationship like? I mean, how did they get along? Well, a couple of times I was suspicious, like. Why are you so caring and doting over her? And like when she came over to the house and her and Bryce were together and then Bryce left and she stayed, I just found all that kind of weird. And I wondered if she wasn't attracted to David, you know, um, I didn't know. I don't know how long they knew each other before that. I don't know what their relationship was about, but I have found out later that David had many relationships with other women when we were married. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. No idea. I feel so, so stupid. I'm embarrassed. Oh, don't. Come on. You were so young. Nobody assumes things like that about their, you know, the people that they are in love with, especially that young. You just, you have blinders on. Every, nobody, I mean, that's, you didn't do anything wrong. You you were just being a normal, a normal person, not expecting what was going on because in, in most circumstances, all that stuff's not going on around you. So you don't have any reason to think any of that. What about, was he ever physically uh, abusive to you? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why, um, every time I left him, I had to, because 
um, he beat me on a regular basis. And when he started holding a gun to my head like the Russian roulette in front of our kids, I left and went to a spouse abuse shelter for a while. And that's when I got out of Florida. When I finally left Florida and got away from him, um, he told me, I will find you anywhere you are. And I will cut you up and feed you to alligators and nobody will ever find you. And when he looked at me and he said that, I believed, I believed him. Well, yeah, I mean, did you, you didn't learn, you said, <coughs> excuse me, till later about how he and, and Acres were possibly going in and, and, and not only robbing, but perhaps um, sexually um, you know, attacking people in their homes. Did you know anything about that? No, I can tell you, like I said, this is a whole bunch of hindsight now that I see this, but people like Rick Rufeisen and um, my husband now, Tom, um, they have shared things with me that they knew about Tom back then and that they thought he was what was known in the newspapers as the Southside Rapist. Yeah, they. Uh, Rick mentioned that to me, and I had, you know, his... his uh... His interview was pretty um, jarring, and, and it'll play nearer toward the end of the episodes. Um, but uh, he was pretty enlightening. They were escalating for sure, and that that what my goal was hopefully to find out, you know, who what obviously what went on that night, who was there, and you know, Bobby Frost tells a story, and he told police a story. I don't know if you learned this, no. but he told police that. David had come to him and said, we're going to, we want to rob Laura's house and we want to do it when Laura's there. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that while she's there. That's stupid. She will wreck. What are we going to do if she recognizes us? And he said, David said to her, then we'll kill her. And he said, he told police around that time that um, he believed Rick, David L. Planup and Rick Akers did it. And they had planned to do it that night. So he had been, according to him, invited to go to do this. And he said no. They wanted him because he had a truck. And he was under the impression that they needed a larger car to rob TVs and such. That he had told him he had a lot of TVs. They didn't mention cash. He didn't mention cash. Although, you know, it doesn't wouldn't surprise me if they thought Snedeker had a lot of cash. Because he did have a lot of cash. And he was kind of the type that kept it in cash places. I don't think there was any there at that night. Um, but who knows if it, there was some buried somewhere or whatever, or where, where they got that idea. But the point was that he had told police at the time that David L. Planoff told, asked him to come with him, to with him, not acres with him to rob the place. And, and, um, he said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it if she's there. And he wanted to do it when she was there. And that is what I further learned from, Rick was that they were escalating to that. It wasn't just it wasn't just now that they were satisfied with robbing when people weren't there. They wanted people to be there, and the reason they wanted people to be there was so they wouldn't be surprised, and so they'd tie people up or whatever. But you're telling me that basically he didn't he when he confessed to you, his confession was never that I don't want to hurt Laura and I don't want to even do it when she's there. That directly is not the same as what. Bobby Frost told police. That's why I say I don't believe him. Right, right. That's just my opinion, but I believe he was there. I believe he did take part of it in it, 
And I believe that he was so remorseful that he killed himself. Yeah, and the thing is, I think it would have had to have been two people to get her out of there. She, one person isn't going to be able to get her out of there and, um, and get her away in a car, out of the house or whatever. Now, there is some um, evidence that she could have been outside because she was packing up her car sometime that night late. Um, I think she wanted to get, you know, get her stuff out of there and move, you know, move elsewhere, whether that was back to uh, Goshen, um, where Bryce was or whatever, because she had actually called his mom in the days leading up to it, saying, asking if she could come back there. So that's why what you're saying is that her, her wanting to get back together with Bryce. And, you know, that makes sense to me because I think she was wanting to, you know, but um, she could have been outside and they could have grabbed her. But w- were you ever aware of them having um, guns? Both of them. David, too? Yeah. Um, As a matter of fact, years later, another friend of mine came to me and said, one time David, when when he was being investigated for all this, gave him a suitcase full of guns and asked him to get rid of it. What? Really? When was this? His name was Bill Stammer, and he is dead. I was just going to say, uh, he was on my list of people to talk to, and then I found out he was dead, and that's... So he... (laughs) So he did he get the did he take the suitcase full of guns from him? He did. He did. And what did he do with it? Do you know? Um, he said that his dad he gave them to his dad and his dad took them somewhere and I, I didn't uh I didn't I don't remember any more about that other than I was shocked when Bill said, Yeah, when all that was going on, David brought me a suitcase full of guns and he had told him to get rid of them. Do you know if the Stammers, if they told police about that suitcase full of guns? I don't know. I don't know. Did they ever interview Bill Stammer? I yeah, don't know. they did. And his father, well, I believe. Bill Stammer actually worked with David at the time. Oh, did he? Bill Stammer was a family friend of mine. David was always needing a job. And um, Bill Stammer gave him a, helped him get a job delivering uh, meat to restaurants. Okay. Refrigerated foods to restaurants well that's interesting so he's wanting to get rid of a bag of guns right after this murder happens mm-hmm. did you did you hear or read in the newspaper about the telephone calls that the Snedegers got the day after the t- it- no no I didn't hear anything about that I read that yesterday um the next day they got a call that was had sexual or orientation and, and Laura crying or sobbing or something? Well, um, I spoke to um, Dave Scott, who was a reporter at the time, and he did a lot of work with Munden on it, and I asked him about that. The day after they got a call that was someone saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you, sucker. I'm bound to get you, sucker. It was a male. The day I, so the cops put a, um, a wire on the phone, and then the day after that, they get another call. They described in the newspaper as something with sexual undertones. What it was, um, Dave Scott told me, was it sounded like a, um, a, they, they got it tested, and it sounded like a recording, a tape, and it um, was a woman having sex, you know, like sounds of an orgasm, basically. Um, so... They sent it in for testing, and they, they believe, because there were some clicks at the beginning, that it might have been a recording, a vi- an audio tape that had been played or videotape over the phone. They didn't think it was live, that it was lower live. Um, would you have been aware of any any such tapes that existed um, as far as 
a sex tape or a tape of recording audio or video or anything of, with, with that Laura would have had or Bryce would have had or anyone would have had access to? I don't. Um, I know that Bill Stammer told me there were other things in that suitcase, and he told me there were pictures of me, um, um, nude pictures of me, which I never took any, I never um, agreed to do any sex poses or anything in any Polaroid pictures. Wow. Um, But... I don't know. He didn't mention anything about a recording or. Did he... And I know I knew Bill Stammer well enough to know that if Bill Stammer thought that David had killed somebody, he would have gone to the law. He was a law-abiding citizen. He was talking to them. I only have the handwritten notes from his interview, and so hopefully I'll get some more clarity with the other ones. But he and his father were talking to police about David, so uh, I think they were. For sure. What, okay. what, so, does he, did he describe these pictures? I mean, that's horrible, first of all. I'm sorry. That's awful. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, he just said they were Polaroid pictures of me. Were you, as, were you asleep, obviously? They weren't taken? And I said, uh, they couldn't have been me, I said, because if the, I said, was the person a willing participant? And he said, well, they were pictures. I don't want to embarrass you. And I said, well, I never agreed to any pictures. I've never agreed for somebody to take nude pictures of me. So, wow. I I I don't know. Um, I I and Bill knew me. He said it was me, but well, I was never a willing participant of pictures. Yeah, so that's why I was wondering if he had described you as it like you were asleep or. Or if the cameras were surreptitiously placed somewhere where you wouldn't have known you were being recorded. Well, this is the thing, and that that he, I think Bill was so embarrassed. Yeah. And I said when I asked him, well, you know, what was in this the suitcase? And it was more like a a briefcase. Okay. He said it was smaller than a suitcase, but it had a lock, and you know, like an old timey briefcase, hardback and all, mm-hmm. and. It had excuse me, several pistols and um, these pictures of me naked um, and with the embarrassment that came, we just sort of dropped the subject and didn't say anymore. I didn't want to hear anymore. I didn't want to know anymore. Um, Not having it over the embarrassment of these pictures was, you know, where my mind was going like, why would he why would he have all this information destroyed but um i wish i could remember if bill said what he did what he i know he said he gave it to his dad he got his dad in on it bill did he said Mm -hmm. i went to my dad and i said look i don't know what to do with this and i guess his dad took over maybe his dad called the police and that's how they got the you know whatever interview you're talking about that they interviewed bill's dad that, that is interesting um, that the, the gun, obviously it was a bag of stuff that he felt was incriminating. So we've got guns and we've got pictures that he shouldn't have taken that he obviously did. And it makes me wonder if he was responsible for that tape of Laura or not. Because if, if someone's into recording people when they don't know they're being recorded like that, especially in sexual situations, I mean... You know, uh, you said they were Polaroids, though, not a video. So it was Polaroids right. are different. Were, that's what Bill said. Bill said they were all Polaroid pictures. Like, 
he was like, don't you, you didn't see him taking pictures of you? And I'm like, dude, that was not me. That could not have been me. If this person was coherent, it was not me. Hmm. So I don't know about that, but. Well, I, that, that just to me, knowing that the, uh, the, um, you know, there was an audio tape that, and, and by the way, they, I asked Dave Scott, I said, well, how, I mean, it, it said in the paper that her parents and possibly um, Bryce had, had ID'd it and thought it was Laura. And obviously if it was a sexual situation, you know, Bryce would probably be the only, you know, only one that they asked if he would know if that's what she sounds like. And so then you have to ask yourself, well, how, how did that take that, uh, that video or whatever arise? Now you're telling me that you were, clearly taking pictures of when you didn't know it that you know makes me wonder what you know was going on and Munden interviewed Bill Stammer in October of 1982 the first thing I can tell you is that in that conversation there was no mention of this briefcase full of guns and nude pictures that Cindy describes so if they had been given to Stammer by that point he kept that information from police but he may have given the briefcase to his father like Cindy said and at some point, that information was revealed to police. We don't have any information regarding that either way. But it could have been information that was given later. A few more things from that interview included Stammer saying that he knew Dave L. Planip was a thief and a bad guy. Stammer said that he had only met Laura once when she came to El Planip's house with her daughter. He did verify that he knew that Rick Akers knew Laura. Stammer said that the last time that he'd seen Dave L. Planip, he'd been beaten allegedly with a baseball bat, by the owner of a property when Al Planip was going through their yard. Stammer said that Al Planip had been worried about taking the polygraph, but later told him that he had passed it with flying colors. He also said that Bryce Morris had come to Al Planip's house and told him the police were on their way over to talk to him about Laura going missing, and this tends to line up with Munden's notes. Something that occurred in Bryce Morris's conversation with John Munden, led him to believe that they were going over to El Planip's house. But again, as of yet, we don't have that interview between John Munden and Bryce Morris. Finally, and pretty chillingly, Bill Stammer said that Rick Akers was going to kill Cindy El Planip if she breathed even a word to police about he and El Planip breaking into houses. I can't help but think that Cindy dodged a pretty scary bullet by being as naive as she was back then. In fact, it's probably what saved her life. So over the years, did you, from other people, hear stories about what happened that night, literally? Or was the only thing you heard from what happened that night was from David himself when he said that they went there, they saw that Laura was there, left, and then Akers went back? That's the only... Um, that's the only time because when I left David and went to Georgia and then he followed me there, I went from Georgia to Florida to, um, California. I wasn't around these people for many years. And then I came back to this area and that, and then Rick Rufeisen, the fact that he had contact with a couple of people, he shared with me what he knew, mm -hmm. um, and this and this is another thing. He mentioned a name, Donnie. Yeah, I was he gonna, named Donnie Lawson or Larson. There or, were two Donnies that I know of: a Donnie Thomas and a Donnie Myers. Okay. That they lived with um, 
um, frost at one point in some apartments, and they were also all close with acres and a plant up. Yeah, and I, I never, I don't know that I ever met them, but I heard their names mentioned amongst them when they would be together. This Donnie person. Okay. Um, I think Donnie was in on the John Dillinger Museum. Yes. Um, yes. Incident with Rick. Yes. He was um, Donnie Myers. Yeah. I found the newspaper articles on that because I I did a there's an episode of it about that too because apparently he was obsessed with um, Dillinger. Rick Akers was obsessed with Dillinger. So what was your experience? I mean, if Akers spent a lot of time at your place, what uh, what is your experience of him? What was he like? You know what? This man was never anything but so kind to me. Um, when we found out I was pregnant, he bought me baby beds. He bought me baby clothes. He bought, he was the nicest man. Wow. Um, it, it's just so bizarre to me to that people, I was really young and stupid to not see evil people. I just didn't see people as evil. And these were evil, evil people. And I guess, my guess is after all these years, I have to figure they needed some innocent people to to surround themselves with, I guess. I mean, it has haunted me that would they have used my innocence to, you know, and I'm sure they laughed behind my back like she's so stupid well people like that prey on people that they find are um more um you know that they first of all they can manipulate and control because they know you're not like them so they you're easily manipulated you know not you anybody that's normal have normal functioning brain that's not like that is there you know and you then you add in you say when was when was um, David, when did he get those diagnoses? She had schizophrenia, and what was the other one? Um, dual di- dual identity disorder. I'm going to have to research that one. When was he diagnosed? Well, I can't remember what year it was that he went into the Air Force, but he was in, like in the fifth week of a six-week boot camp. Him and my Uncle Ron went to the Air Force together. My Uncle Ron stayed. David had a mean streak. Know, and he would hit me and stuff um and they didn't like that mm-hmm. but i don't think anybody i know nobody ever suspected that david would do anything like that and then when they started investigating rick and acres everybody was like oh my god i can't believe rick did that and, and i'm sitting there thinking yeah well, i'm wondering if my husband wasn't an accomplice yeah, and everyone that I've talked to that uh, um, connects Rick with it connects David, too, because apparently they were doing stuff like this and pulling other people into it. Like one of those Donnies got pulled into a, a pretty pretty ugly situation that uh, Rick told me about, you know. Um, so I think that people were starting to recognize the, this darkness, that, that they were starting to escalate, and so certain people like Rick, were they were backing away from that like no robbing is one thing uh doing other kind of things like that is something altogether different you know and it did seem like it was escalating and i'm wondering did you see um 
signs as far as the mental health issues? Did I mean, I'm sure now as you're older, you've seen things and you, you've got a better picture of what schizophrenia looks like. Did you see that in your relationship? Did you see, did he take medication? Was he, you know? No, he didn't take any medication. And he was so able to convince everybody, like, um, he was... Yeah, looking back, there was something very wrong with him. He had an anger issue. Um, was he paranoid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that age, what, what? how old was he when Laura went missing? What, what are we talking? Um, uh, well, um, he was born in 61. I think. So he was only 20. Yeah. See, he was right at that, the cusp of that age where things like schizophrenia often set in to, for males. So that makes sense to me that it would be something that you, you maybe didn't put together back then because the signs were just starting to get, you know what I mean, more noticeable. Like that was the, that's the age where a lot of it sets in for men. So um, that is interesting to me too. And I don't know, you know, how much of it played a part in how he ended up you know. Well, I think he was intrigued by Rick Akers. I think Ricky Akers is the one that got David involved in his yeah. sick mess. Um, but when we moved, I, I couldn't get away from him. Every time I moved, he came chasing me down. Was it a control um, thing? Did he want to... Con- oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And to the point where... You know, he literally told me, there's nowhere you can go and hide. I will kill you. Hmm. I mean, I, I feared for my life. And and I trusted his mother because I had nowhere to go. And I asked her, can you please keep babies until I can go to Indiana and find somewhere to live? I Every day, I wish I had brought them with me. When I did- thought I was doing the right thing. I did not know. And I don't, his parents did not know anything about what David was up to. No, I don't think so either. I, I think it was just as a shock no, to him, obviously. Know. You're not going to um, think that of your kid. I mean, you know. Well, yeah. I heard a story. Um, do you do you know Kenny Weber? Kenny Weber. He um, said his as wife. As a matter of fact, I think Kenny Weber's. When I moved to Georgia, I think his wife was babysitting for my daughter. Yes. He, okay, so he thought it was, he, he told me, I had asked him because Bobby Frost had said he thought someone, you know, that, that uh, he said he thought that um, David had left town like the day after Laura went missing. He was always under the assumption that he left town right away and that Kenny Weber had taken him to bus station or airport or whatever. That ter- Kenny Weber said, no, that didn't happen. He said, but what I'll tell you did happen is my wife used to babysit for David up Planet and um, his wife's kids. And one day... He stopped coming, and that same day, my car disappeared. And I always assumed that David L. Planip stole my car. Oh, my God. Yeah. He said, I said, literally the same day, he said, oh, yeah. Well, I can't. I went out to my car one day, and it wasn't there. And they never brought the kids to be babysat um, for me from then on, and they owed us money. And I wondered what year that was. He thought it was around 83, I think, 82, 83, because um, his kid, he based on his age but it didn't I thought well I don't think they were in Indiana during that time so you're saying that the kids were there but they were with saying with someone else at the time I, I only had one daughter oh okay and she, and she was only he she only watched her for about a week okay and then I I ran away I ran off I hid from him and ran off I was very afraid of him 
and it had nothing to do with the Laura Morris or anything like that. I feared for my own life. Because he, um, oh, all right, okay. At this point, I didn't think he had anything to do with um, killing somebody or abducting somebody. She hadn't been found yet, so right. at this point, it was still an abduction. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I didn't think he had anything to do with that, but I knew he was one mean, mean man, and he threatened me, and I was like, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Yep. And I picked up my kid, and I left. And, but, and I know that somebody else told me a story that he sold Kenny Weber so that he'd have the money to go to Georgia. He sold Kenny Weber a bunch of stereo equipment. And then he took, Kenny gave him the money and he left town with the money and the stereo equipment. Somebody else told me that years ago. Jeez. Regarding that stereo equipment being sold by El Planet to Kenny Weber, there was some documentation related to that in Munden's notes. I wasn't familiar with Greenfield or Shelby County in any way. I'd never been there before. Um, Anytime I saw Laura was at her apartment or anytime I saw Laura and Bryce together, we had gone out to go do something together. But um, I never was ever in Greenfield or knew anything about Greenfield until Munden came from Greenfield and he, you know, whatever we learned from him that, um, and was that where Laura's mom and dad's house was in Greenfield? Yes. How far away? I don't know the area. It was your apartment from, from Greenfield. Um, okay. I'd say, um, I'm terrible with directions and distance. So am I. (laughs) Now I could get to Shelby County from Franklin we lived in just the town north of here, Greenwood. Um, and I'd say it would take about 40 minutes, maybe. And where did where was Ricky Akers living at the time she went missing in relation to all this? You know, I don't know wherever uh, Rick Akers lived, but he sure stayed with us a lot. Oh, did he? he? Lot, okay. He spent a lot of nights at our apartment. but Did he stay that night, do you know? The night she went missing, did he stay the night? I don't know. I do know that he and David were together earlier in the night. And you had left the house together. Okay. But they came, David came back, you know, like I said, within a few hours or within an hour, not, not a long time. He came back and then he was there the rest of the night. So you really, you physically remember him coming back that night. Yes. Okay. And so, the only reason why I do remember that was because when it was fresh and happening, um, and the I could hear the Detective Munden talking to David and like, where were you here and there? And um, I knew, I, I remembered, because it was just a couple of days before that, that David and Rick left together and David came back. Mm-hmm. Now, it was late at night are you you talking late like midnight or late like 2 3 4 a.m i i i really cannot remember that i just remember it was at late at night like it woke me up when he came home i had to get up and unlock the door oh okay you had to get up and he, he didn't have a key 
Um, apparently not, because I remember I had to get up and let him in the door. So if, I'm for sure example, had a key, but that particular night I let him in the door, and he left with Rick and came back by himself. So do you? Th- you're thinking then, if you think he he may have been there and that he lied, that he would have left while you were sleeping then, if he went back out. Exactly. Okay. And also, I think that after he told me this confession thing that we went there and I said, no, we weren't going to hurt Laura. And then I came home and Rick went back. See, all that kind of clicked. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, remember, because I had to let him in. Right. And I was pissed off. I was pregnant. I was mad. He's out running the streets whenever, wherever, whatever. Um and I was pissed off that I had to even get up out of the bed and open the door. Yeah, and that I, is strange. If he's got so, a key, why would he have to? Why would you have to get up and open the door? Well, and like, and looking back, you know, he would shoot up that speed, <gasps> so he would be real like. Um, he always walked around like he had anxiety, or you know, couldn't sit still, real fidgety, and mm-hmm. you know, I just figured he was on that shit. Yeah. But you don't remember his keys going missing or anything like that then? You just think he... I don't remember what. His keys going missing, his house keys or anything like that? No, I I don't. I don't don't know how I could even remember that. But, you know, talking about it now, I can can remember that I let David in that night, that I was pissed off, and I I had to let him in. So that right there would tell me... He must not have had his keys. I didn't think anything about it then. But and, yeah, and all these things come up, you know, I'm, be, I'm being enlightened as well. Yeah. What went on. And he, you know, it's my, possible when he came, he came back because he didn't have his keys. And if they were going to go back out and he was going to have to get in the house, um, you know, while you were sleeping, then he, he would need his key you only had one one entrance that he would have been able to get in he couldn't yeah, have get only in only one entrance because we lived on the second floor and um we had a patio door but but yeah he had there was an entrance to the building and then you went upstairs in our door you know then you had to, that's where you unlocked the door the actual apartment building had a door you went in and then did he ever tell you that um, they he and Acres went um, prior to this and cased out Laura's um, house? No, no. But I do know. Um, I do know that later, um, and I wish I could remember when I found these things out or when. It was many years later that people would say, well, we knew this and we knew that. And the fact that I was out of Indiana for so many years, mm-hmm. when I came back, people were still remembering it and this and that. But there are some things that I remember very clearly. There are some things that I remember and I look back and I think, oh, my God, I had no, I was not, um, how could I have been so stupid kind of thing? And... If somebody asked me my personal opinion, my personal opinion is that 
David Aplanib and Rick Akers abducted and killed Lauren Morris. And you know, um, and that's the the consensus generally is is what happened. And by by the way, Laura did see David there in the days leading up to the murder. Winston was staying with her. Um, he had stayed Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and not Saturday night because she went somewhere Saturday. And I think Sun. No, maybe not Sun. And then she had gone over to his house, I believe, right before the airport. Um, so if, for example, they had come to try to rob the place. In those days, they would have seen his, um, you know, his vehicle because he had a car there, and that would have probably deterred them from going in because there was another vehicle there. The night that she picked up her mom from the airport, when the, if if uh, David and and Ricky Akers went there, they wouldn't have seen any. They wouldn't have even known Trudy was there because she just went. But but she, but he would have known that because you said that she told them she was going to pick her mom up at the airport. So where did they think they were staying? If 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 they thought the house was going to be empty, where would they think Trudy would be staying? I don't know. So I have no idea. But their impression was that they. I mean, you, your recollection is that they didn't know that that she was going to be there, or or that's what he told you. What? Yeah, yeah. What he told me was they went there to rob the Snedeker house. And when they got there, Laura was there, and David said he wanted no part of it. Mm. I don't believe that. Well, he I might have. His guilt may stem. Confess. Yeah, I agree. And his guilt may stem from, regardless of the sexual assaults he may have committed with Acres in other situations, that may not have been something he wanted to do to Laura, and mm-hmm. that is a possibility that that did occur in this case, um, just based on some of the evidence. Um, and so that may, may be where his guilt comes from, because if nothing was robbed, that, you know, to me, if the, if the house didn't get robbed, if they didn't, it doesn't even appear that they got into the house. So just like the time that she heard something outside and she told Winston, and it was after one of the nights that Winston spent the night and he left around 2 or 3 a.m., she, when Winston comes to pick her up, they're driving, they're going to go to a movie or something. And he, she said to her, I, he, she said, you know, uh, last night I heard something outside and I went out and David Alplanip was outside. And I, she said, I asked him, what the hell are you doing here? And he said, just out getting some air. And um, that's as far as the conversation went because they were at a club and, and they got a drink or something and she didn't go any more about it. But he was at the house in the day or two right before. And she had told Winston, who would have no, didn't know David from anyone. He was a new guy that she just met. So he, she, he literally said, David, I'll plan it. And he said, um, she, Laura had said, he said, well, what, what, what did you do? She said, I went inside and locked the doors. Um, and I, cause I don't trust him. He's known to steal shit. So that's what she told Winston. So he had gone to that place. Plus, Bobby Frost says the same thing, that Planip had asked him to go to that house and they were going to rob it while she was there. And he said, if you believe Frost's story, he said, I don't want, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to have anything to do with that. And I said, that's stupid. We're going to wear masks and stuff, but she's going to recognize her voice. What what are you going to do if she recognizes her voice? And he said, um, we'll kill her. That's what Bobby Frost told police. Now, uh, when I talked to Bobby Frost, he didn't he didn't put himself at the scene. 
he he walked that back and said he did was asked by David to go. He said no, and he believed him and Acres went. Um, it it's interesting to me how when when he confessed to you when David confessed to you, and he said Rick went back there and did it. So was he saying he knew that for a fact because Ricky told him he did, or he just assumed it? Well, um, I I would have liked to have gotten to the bottom of that. I would have liked to have known. I wish I could go back, and mm-hmm. it was just all so shocking to me. Um, but Rick had already been, all that had gone down with Rick, and he'd been, they opened fire on him, and it was a whole another traumatic story. Um, but all, all I can, all I know that he said was that they went there, Laura was home, he wouldn't do it. He Rick brought him back, and Rick went back up there. And when I think about it, when I look back, I think he was trying to let this out without incriminating himself. Mm-hmm. To me, um, but I believe he. I believe he did know. I believe he did take part in it. I believe he just left that part. He lied about that part. Um, yeah, I, I think so too. Just based on the other people that heard about it and um, and knew you know knew about it because if he was he was asking Frost before Acres was involved in going, he was asking Frost to go first. So it might have been that that day that they all you know knew that Laura was going to pick up her mom. They thought they'd go and she wouldn't be there. Maybe. You you had said that Laura told you guys she was going some middle of the night to pick up her up the well, airport. I knew I knew that she was leaving our house, and we had discussed the fact that she had to pick up her mother from the airport that night. And I can distinctly remember her saying her mom was coming back from Texas, and now I think maybe she was coming back from Florida. But she was. Yeah. Anyway. Um, she had to pick up her mom from the airport, and it was late at night. And me, being this naive, I'm saying, oh, my God, you're going to drive all the way out to the airport and the dog by yourself? But, you know, that's how I looked at it. Yeah. I was a very sheltered person that had just been let out, and what do I come upon? These freaks that took me right on in, mm-hmm. lured me right in, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I just... It caused me great grief my whole life. And I've often, often thought of Brandy, like what happened to that poor girl? And I have a question. Did her father not, um, yeah. I thought she lit, was raised by Bryce. Um, no, they don't have a relationship, a good relationship, actually. He wasn't, according to her, wasn't a good father he also was into drugs and you know he may have also been grief stricken his you know mother of his I, child is is murdered he may have like you in the back of his mind thought holy shit did these guys that I was friendly with do this Let, b- before I go any further because I want to make sure that day that they were at your apartment was Ricky Akers there at the same time that Laura was there you know I've, I've tried to remember that um, I know that all in that day, I saw all those people at my apartment. Now, whether they were all there at the same time, I can't. I can't promise you. That's okay. Yeah. I don't. 
I don't think that Bryce and Rick were there at the same time. But I think that Rick and Laura were. So, I can't guarantee that, but I feel like there were just people coming and going, which they always did. Because, like I said, Tom or David sold lots of pot. Yeah. Now, even if we're not talking about that specific day, Munden has said that he could not find any direct, um, direct interaction or correlation between Laura and Rick Akers since they got out of school. That doesn't sound like it's accurate. If Rick Akers was and and was hanging out at your house a lot at that time, and so was Laura. Do you know of other times when they were both in this, both there at your house at the same time? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think they're only. Um, only interaction with each other was if she had come over to our house to hang out and Rick would come and go okay. kind of thing. All right. But no, they didn't. Um, I don't believe they knew each other. All they right. just saw each other in passing when they were both visiting David. Okay, that makes sense because that that's what it sounds like that Munden thought too. And you know, some of these sort of cross things... Uh, so that that's probably one of the reasons why maybe Munden was having issues because he couldn't literally put them at that house that night. He's got mm-hmm. statements from the the new boyfriend Winston saying that he she said his name that he was outside of his house a night or two before. He's got Bobby Frost saying that he they you know he's got all these people giving accounts of they were going to do this they were going to but that specific night they may not have been able to firmly plant them there. But it sure as hell is. Uh, you know, pretty strong circumstantial evidence as far as I'm concerned. And and especially with, uh, you know, David, you know, later in his life saying that it's possibility, you know, that, that Rick went back there, either he believed it or knew it to be a fact. Do you know, so you're saying that it was, it wasn't an OD, it was an actual suicide. Do you know if police came to the apartment when, when his body was found? Yeah, um, as a matter of fact, it was, um, he was at some woman's house, and they were having a um, April Fool's party, and this, the woman that they, who owned the, or rented the apartment where he died at, of course, they gave, you know, they investigated her, apparently, and she said that he, they were playing cards. And David was drunk and acting stupid, and she told him to go to bed. He came out, said, hey, I think I need to go to the hospital. She told him just to go sleep it off. He went back there and took a bottle of amitriptyline, and that's what the death certificate says. Death by suicide, victim left a note, overdose of amitriptyline. Believe it or not, ironically, he he died in the same apartments that we lived in when I ran off and left him with my daughter. What are the apartments called? Um, Green Tree Apartments. They still exist. I have requested records before on suicides that were that were investigated because you know when they're not sure they have to do that, and um and I've actually gotten um, notes and read them before. It'll just depend on the, if they've kept it and if they'll let me have it, you know. And it's awful thing to have to do and to read, and it's not something I would have to share. I would only like to know for sure oh, that there was absolutely. nothing you, was said, you know. Yeah, if you if you're able to get a hold of that, I don't have any problem with it. But I was told. It was public information. Yes, it is. That, in a, in a, that the coroner's office or the coroner's the one that got it or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, 
Yeah, it would be, you know, interesting to me. And, you know, like you said, did, who else read it? Was anyone else besides your, did you say your son had read it? Bill Stammer, Bill Stammer and um, my son. Yeah, I would not contact them. I don't like to, um, you know, my, it's not something, I don't like to dig into things like that with the kids who had no firsthand knowledge and nothing like that. And I'm certainly not going to contact him and ask him about the note. If I can get it through appropriate records means, then I'll get it. If I can't, I can't. But I will probably um, have Brandy mention it to the detective because he could certainly get it. And just to yep. be sure, you know, we it, it just seems to me like if someone's going to kill themselves and go through the trouble of writing a note, a note that and he is guilty of something he might have written something in there and it might not be like i said right on the nose it might have a clue or something in there and we don't know now i have uh, the actual other note that i have uh, read on another case that i worked on was a, also a suicide and he was actually also uh, schizophrenic that note made just no sense it was just the ramblings of someone who was in the middle of a psychotic episode so this could be the same thing we don't know we have no idea but and it's terribly sad it's an awful situation to go around and like I said I'm not gonna I wouldn't you know publish it or anything I'm just curious to make sure that you know I can just bring it to the detectives um uh, just awareness so that he can check it because if we're talking about an entirely different police agency they might not even be aware of it and you know that uh, being able to connect those dots they we did Brandy and I had an interview with um an Indiana State Police detective um, who was able to confirm for her that he did not believe Trudy obviously killed, you know, her mother, which was good for her Brandy to hear because that was another very difficult thing for her growing up all her life because she had fond memories of the Snedegers because of obviously they were good to the grandkids. She loved her grandmother and, and believing her whole life that her grandmother killed her mother has been very painful for her. So just getting that information was good and she just wanted to get as much as, as um, she you know, she could possibly get to know what happened. And, and so I'll be able to give her this information and, and we'll be able to pass that little bit of information about that note along. Also the confession um, to the detective, just so he's aware, because again, that all happened years later and no one may even be aware of that. You know, that, that um, confession, um, no one may be aware of because nobody is aware of that. But I want to say that um, if you're able to dig up David's death certificate, it specifically says on there that he left a note. I want to quickly mention that I sent a FOIA request to the Marion County Sheriff's Department related to Dave L. Planip's death investigation. While most of the four-page report is redacted, I had asked specifically about a note found at the scene, and there is a line that says, quote, also advised that the victim has threatened suicide in the past, however there was no threat or note left last night. Now whether a note exists and it was removed from the scene before police arrived or not, I have no idea. Cindy says that the death certificate actually mentions the note, and I should also add that we only have this four pages. It's not a full death investigation, it's basically a printout, so there were likely more documents related to this case. They just may not have been saved for all these years. Well, how are you, what are you, what are you, where are you standing on as far as this interview and whether you're comfortable with me using it for the podcast or not? Um, I, I don't have a problem with it. I know it sounds, um, scattered and, 
No, you don't. You uh, you don't. You're really you're not getting giving yourself enough credit. You did. You remembered a lot of things, like him having to get up and and let him in the house that night. There's nothing scattered about the story you told me. You have been very specific, and what you're telling me goes along with other things that I'm hearing. I, I mean, and you really well, don't. All I want to be is helpful. You, if I were in Brittany's shoes, I would want to know, and I, honest to God, believe that Rick Akers and David Alplana were what happened to Laura Morris. Yeah, and, and and you should be comfortable knowing that there are two, at least two, three other people that I interviewed that will be on the podcast as well who said the same thing. So you're not telling me something and, and going out there on a limb on something that nobody else has said. In fact, they've told me more because they, you know, were behind the scenes and people that were hearing what they were doing. I mean, it, the stories yeah, that they yeah, heard were darker, uh, you know. Um, yeah, I never heard any of that, and I and and one thing I want Brandy to know when she um, get tries to absorb all this, if I had any idea that my husband was up to anything like that, I would not have sat back and let and let him commit some kind of crime like that. I did not believe he was capable of that. I didn't believe Rick Akers was capable of it. And I, I just didn't know that side of them. And let me tell you, even the guys that um, were starting at that time to learn what those guys were doing and capable of were having the same issues. It was shocking to them. This was information that even like with Rick and Bobby and all them, you can get this sense that these guys were backing away from them. So it's not just you. I think, I believe that all of those guys, had they had factual information that that David and or Rick Akers did any of this, they too would have not, they would have not sat back and not told. Mm-hmm. Everybody told, I think, what they knew, what they, what they believed. That's mm-hmm. a far piece from knowing. And so you can't. And we were all in our early 20s, every yes, one of us. Exactly. That is a very important point. Everybody was so young. And, you know, you're talking about the murder of someone who, it's so shocking that at first nobody wants to believe it. But then at hindsight, everybody in the months following watching this play out and what they know are piecing t- things together. But what they know and they believe doesn't get to we've got re- we we have beyond a reasonable doubt we know what happened and so i don't fault anybody here i think everybody you know everybody that i've talked to talked to police that you all did your due diligence they didn't ask you anything you know and you t- when when they came to you 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 talked to them but you can only do what you know that you can do at that time nobody kept anything i don't think i don't think anybody um well except david and, and rick acres but their pre their pre offense behavior really speaks loudly too i mean both of them you know, Ricky Akers ran. He ran. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think really there's a question um, who, at this point, I think the only questions are left is what, what actually happened. And unfortunately, the only two people who could tell us everything that happened that night are not able to do that. So I, I, I know. Well, you, you know, asked me about a name. Did you see the story where the night that they shot Rick Akers? They got someone to drive um, a car. Oh, and Patty Bridges which yeah. was Rick Akers' girlfriend. She was given um, immunity or whatever they call that when you are given a new identity. Mm-hmm. And I always believed later, after I got all this info, I believed Patty Bridges knew. 
She may. I know that there are some notes where police talk to her. I know that she's the one that told them about where that uh, Cindy and Chuck Claire and where they were staying and where he had gotten rid of at least one gun. And I know she was cooperating with police. I don't know how much she knew either. She may be just like you where she may have put together pieces, but because she wasn't there that night, unless he told one of them or Rick, Rick told her what he did. And I, you know, was he the type that would tell the girl he was seeing what he did? I don't know. I mean, well, if it, um, Patty was with him for a long time, as far as I knew, Patty was his girlfriend for a long time. And, um, other people told me, and I believe David might've been one of those other people that told me that Patty would go with him to rob houses. Really? Now, whether that's true or not, you know, it's hearsay. Mm-hmm. But um, David told me, I believe it was David, that Patty was an accomplice at some of these. Well, she may have. If they gave her immunity, they did that because they thought there was something that they could vic- could convict her on. But they were... Right. Yeah. But it, what right. it was was, I mean, yeah, obviously it wasn't murder. If they thought she murdered right. someone, <laughs> they're not going right. to, you know. So, but... Who knows? I mean, the the problem here is that we don't know if there was anyone else present that night or not with Laura, because there are also situations like what Rick told me about, where um, they t- talked, they got other guys to go with them to, and the, they were thinking they were going to rob places, and when they got there, basically forcing another guy to rape oh, someone. So, you know, who knows? Who knows if there was anyone else or if it was just those two. It seems to me like um, it was probably just Acres and that planet. Um, if there were other people involved, you'd think by this point those people somehow would we would have risen to the surface as well. But, um, you know, the, the other thing that's interesting to me is a P.I. got a story. He said during his questioning, the private investigator that the Snedekers hired, is that he had heard, now I don't know if any of this is true, um, that Laura was selling, low-level selling, doing some selling, probably those pills, um, and she was in debt to someone for drugs. They tried to go over there to scare her and um, got her, managed to, he thought there were two people, managed to get her away from the house. At some point she made a run for it and they shot at her and then she was killed there in that cornfield. It does appear she was killed in that cornfield. It does appear based on her clothing that was some struggle ensued because there are damages to her shirt that she was wearing. Um, so what occurred that night is is still up for you know debate, but it does appear that there's some active struggle that happened um, that night, whether she was trying to get away, you know, they had said something about her jumping a fence in that cornfield. So I think there were, had to have been two people involved at least. Now he, he had mentioned something about a van. Do you know anyone in that, in that friend circle that owned a van or, um, uh, you know, a, a, a vehicle big like that? Yeah. David had a van. David O'Planop had a van. Yeah. At that time. Mm-hmm. I thought he didn't have a vehicle. Um, well, we drove a little um, Ford, uh, let's see, what was it? A little Mustang II. Mm-hmm. But he also drove a van because, you know, he painted for his father. He was a painter, so he drove a van full of paint and all that equipment. What color was the van? The one that he had at the time was green. Okay, well... And then the one that he drove later, 
and I don't know how much later, but it was a gray van. But you're saying that he had he owned a green van on the night Laura went missing. I believe he owned that van then, yes. I can't be 100% sure, but back when we lived there and back when I left, he owned a green van, and that was when all that happened. So I would I would think he had that green van then. You were saying earlier that you thought that they had taken the Barracuda that night. Uh, do you uh, you still think that yeah. they... What makes you think they took the Barracuda that night at Ricky's? Well, because when they left, they, he left with Rick. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's why I always thought his keys were in the house, and that's why he couldn't use them to get in, because he didn't drop me. He went, he left with Rick in Rick's car, and Rick was real proud of these Barracudas. He had a few of them, and he had a red one and a white one, and all I can remember was that that night, they were in one of Rick's Barracudas when they left. Well, that sort of, it's possible they came back for the van then. Because what Bobby Frost told me was that they want, they, they, he, David asked him to do it because he had a truck and they wanted a vehicle that could haul things. They were planning on stealing st- TVs and stuff, big items. So the Barracuda well, that van was not in good running. Like they would be afraid that would break down for sure. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. He drove it around to do his painting and stuff like that, but he had a lot of mechanical trouble with that old van. Hmm. But, yes, he did have a van. Um, And, you know, the apartments, they wouldn't let you just keep vehicles parked there. So his parents lived, uh, David's parents lived in kind of like in a, it was way back in the country. And I believe they kept the van there because he worked for his dad. And where, how close were David's folks? Van. How close were David's folks' house to Laura's house? Not close. No, not close. Okay. Mm-mm. No. Hey. Um, they were in Johnson County. Okay. Did you ever go to Laura's parents' house? Were you ever there? Never had been there. Like I said, the only time I ever went to Greenfield ever, the only time I've ever been there is when I went to the police station one time when David went to give a lie detector test. And I can't remember who it was, whether it was Bryce, but there was somebody else that had a lie detector test the same time David did. There was a guy named... I am sitting there like, well, of course I know he's going to pass it because he wouldn't do anything like that. There was a guy named Dave Corbin that they... They checked. I think he worked for the Snedegers at one point. There was also um, Bobby Frost had lie detectors, so it could have been they were bringing a Did bunch Bryce? of people in. Yeah. Did Bryce? Um, I don't I think Bryce got his. At some point, he was set up for one, and something happened, and he didn't take it. That was a another issue. Um, that there were some problems also with the investigation. Things that weren't done that should have done. Phone records not take gotten in time. There, that was another problem with how this case didn't. Uh, pan out the way it should have because Munden in certain instances didn't do things that he should have done or done it quickly enough and maybe that's because of how the information was filtering in and whatever but there were things that he did and 
he didn't handle well. And then you've got, like you said, the the Snedegers who were shady already as hell and doing shady things to throw mud on the waters and and confuse the situation, like men going missing, you know, the month afterwards. So it was distracting to police. There was just, there were, this was a perfect storm of errors and problems. And and that's why Laura really... Well, there was so much going on at so many different angles of Laura's life. It's like... Yes, it just is amazing to me. But I can see how Munden would have dropped all this and started looking at the Snedeker's business because there's some really shady shit that went on yeah. with the Snedeker's, and I never had um, any idea what what Laura's family life was like. We were not, we hadn't been like girlfriends forever. I knew her for a matter of a couple of months. I was around her several times within that couple of months and like I said I thought she was married to Bryce I didn't even know they were divorced well that is interesting to show their relationship were you aware that um David had helped her move from her apartment to over to where the Snedegers where she was staying at the Snedegers no, I didn't know that. See, she was storing her stuff in that garage, which, and, and Bobby Frost had said that he believed that um, David had been actually been in that house before. Um, so he was familiar with the layout and familiar with the house itself and knew that they had a bunch of, ta- you know, like TVs in every room and stuff. He was familiar with it. But I think he also thought that you guys had been over there, hang, hung around the pool. There was a pool, too. And that doesn't no. seem to be, you know, so there, uh, Bobby Frost's stories have some inconsistencies, too. Um, now, what, what, that's well, Bobby with- Frost was a real drug addict back in. The, I mean, like the more time I saw Bobby Frost sitting in a chair drooling more than I saw him up and walking around. He, yeah, he I, I've heard some similar stories, and and, and I, Rick was surprised that Bobby even did an interview with me. You know, he he was the first yeah, one of the did. first. Yeah. Um, and he did. He went on record. He's going to be, you'll hear him on the podcast. You're going to hear all these interviews and you'll be able to make up your own, you know, it's already started. The first three episodes are out now and then they eat one a week will come out. There'll be like 15 episodes or so. But, um, and then if you're okay with it, I'll add yours, yours to the end. I would edit it down shorter because we've talked longer and there's more, you know, I don't have to put every single bit of this, but if you're okay with it, I, the stuff that I, you know, the confession is certainly important to me. Um, yes, definitely. You know, I, I... I am okay with it. I think I talked to my husband and uh, my daughter, and they're like, you know, we don't want you to get in any trouble. Well, I haven't done anything. Why were they? Do you know what their concern was? I think just the fact that I was married to that man. How could I not know? Oh, yeah. Well, there, no. Legal. There's no legal trouble you would ever be in. There's nothing. There is no. Um, this case is never going to go to trial. The people that are. The people that did it are dead. There's nothing that will happen as far as that. You know, nothing makes me more sick than... Nothing would have helped me more than for them to have figured this out and gotten him out of my life. And I would have my kids and, you know, things would have been a lot better for me. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, it's... I'm Being married to that man, and that's not the... The only thing that's come back that he's done, you know, in the in the process of hearing all this, I've heard all these things that he did. And you mentioned earlier that when he was in Georgia and he was a security guard, they interviewed some barb. Her name, you said it started with a B. I think, it, yeah, um, brand. There was a barb friend, uh-huh. and 
um, she got him involved in a cocaine ring, and David ended up in jail in Cobb County, Georgia, over that. Um, And I met her, and um, when David went to jail, and she put up his bond, and then she revoked his bond, and then it, it... David was in nothing but trouble. Nothing but trouble. And he flew under the radar his whole flipping life. And I hate that he took himself out and didn't have to pay for anything he did to people. Yeah. That that will haunt me forever. I want to thank you guys again for listening. If there are any updates on this case or any of the other cases that I've covered, I'll make sure you're up to speed. And when we get the rest of the documents related to this case, I'll continue to do bonus updates as the information filters in. Thanks, guys.